Welcome to the Frankly Who Cares podcast. It's the Frankly Who Cares podcast, a podcast which runs background checks on Dean Macy before making him an idol. Today, we talk about the most infamous sporting moments, and we look back on the greatest moments of the Euros as we build up to it starting this week. Hello, welcome to the Frankly Who Cares podcast with me, Tom, and as always with Alex. How are you doing? Hello, doing well. Nice topical introduction there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quickly Google's Dean Macy's social media. Just <laughs> Any of his yeah. fishing thoughts are slightly controversial. <laughs> May have to delete eight episodes or whatever it's been <laughs> worth of the podcast. Uh, anyway, how you been? Since two days ago when we actually met up. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how the quality of this uh, this pod varies because we've had a proper kind of mm. session preparing for it. But then I completely forgot between now and then that we recorded and have undone <laughs> all of that preparation. So, yeah. So there's some notes on we'll my see. phone that I've just uncovered that I didn't really remember writing down. <laughs> Let's see how we get uh, on. Joys, joys of those pub-based uh, brainstorming sessions, if you can call on that. So yeah, it's going to be a good one today. So we've got infamous moments in, in a sec. And then, yes, our, our Euros preview, the only preview that uh, anyone will need. Yeah. I think and it's look, fair to say. Yeah, I think it'll be fair to say, if you're sick of all the previews, what better way to undo that than listening to a preview that actually doesn't preview the current tournament in any shape or form and just harks back to previous ones? Exactly. It makes you very excited by what is possible in this tournament. Should we crack on with gold, silver, bronze, Dean Macy? I think we should. Who's going first, me or you? Um, you start. Now, to, to me, the most infamous, sport, infamous sporting moment, there's one that came right. straight off, straight into mind. So, have you got one that you think? What's your most likely one that I'll have picked? Uh, my most likely one is the one I was going to start with anyway, and it is. Um, it happened on the twenty fifth of January, nineteen ninety five. Okay, so, so pro- no, that, that's not mine. your one, not mine. Okay, so this is the one that I think you might, if you've got any, it would be this one. Uh, this is one where. Um, I, I, it's like a, a JFK moment for me. Most of uh, the people I know know exactly where they were when they <laughs> first heard about this thing what's, happening. What's the date? January 95? January 95. Oh, mm. uh, yeah, I've got it. <laughs> and um, just as um, Des Lynham did when he uh, gravely spoke about this, I'm going to put my glasses on. <laughs> Such is the... <laughs> The magnitude of this thing. I mean, a gravitas uh, that is lost on a podcast. That, that, <laughs> true, to that. everyone except for you. Yeah. Um, and talk about Eric Cantona jumping into the crowd and doing his kung fu kick on Matthew Simmons uh, in the match against Crystal Palace, uh, which I remember exactly where I was. I, I was a student at the time, and I uh, did broadcast journalism. That's my degree. And for some reason, I had to come into London and do some sort of filming. Right. Uh, and I remember doing that, getting home, putting on sports night, uh, and yeah, 
Desline and introducing the program and talking about this this shocking thing that had happened. Uh, this is in the days when there weren't that many live uh, matches in midweek, so you had to wait uh, until um, uh, Sports Night to watch it. And there and there he is. Uh, gets sent off for, I think, stamping on Richard Shaw, some sort of incident with Richard Shaw. I think he, that was the second time he'd been sent off in a fortnight or a week or something like that as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and red as cards he... were usually brutally violent as well. He didn't get, he, he got his, like, we say in Sunday League, not red cards, but yellow cards, you'd get yeah. your £80 worth. Like, yeah. you'd find mm. £8 for yellow cards. You didn't do want to get it for, like, dissent. You'd want, you'd want to kick someone for that. Yeah, exactly. Preferably yeah. a fan. <laughs> with a kung fu kick followed up by a punch. I mean, I did play in the district Sunday league, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seen worse. Um, so, so yeah, Cantona doing that, jumping into the crowd, kicking Matthew Simmons. Do you remember what what this guy said when it reached court that he had actually said to Cantona? It's my favorite. What... It's it's my favorite <laughs> bit of the story. I isn't it something like off you go, Mister Frenchman, or something? It's something off, 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 off you go, Cantona. It's an early bath for you. That's it. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think our last podcast was called Roy of the Rovers stuff. That quote could literally have been a fan on, on, on Roy of the Rovers. Um, yeah, clearly he didn't say that. Anyway, um, Cant- Cantona got Manu, I think, immediately banned Cantona for four months. Uh, and then by the time the FA dealt with it, they extended that to eight months and uh, fined him 10 grand. He, do you remember he actually got a 14-day jail sentence initially? I'd forgotten it. Initially, he was sentenced to... Yeah. yeah. Immediately bailed. He appealed to the Crown Court and the judge said basically that the, the guy who insulted him, something like even a stone would have been provoked by that. Uh, and yeah, basically gave, gave him community service. But just... Cantona was an incredible character, but seeing him, <laughs> and obviously we're legally obliged to call it a kung fu style kick because that's all it's ever reported as. Yeah. Jumping in the crowd, doing that, and the guy, and following up with like that punch to the jaw was quite something. Pretty yeah. infamous. Yeah, I, hmm. I can't really argue with that. Um, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's. I mean, there's there's sort of different types of infamy, and I think. The gratuitous violence out of nowhere does cover one of mine. I feel, mm-hmm. it, and it, the tone is a bit difficult of some of these because I think um, some of them have become quite funny, but actually some of them are quite sinister, uh, and still are. Whereas the Cantona one is like, ah, no, I'm done. You know, he was bonkers. Yeah, he was clearly a dickhead. You know, rough justice. Yeah. So, um. So I'll start off with my most lighthearted. Um, okay. The uh, actually no, I'll start off with my football one. I'll finish with the lighthearted one. Um, so I felt like the most infamous thing about modern football is the diving, and so I had to think about a time when someone has just so heinously dived that it changed Mm. the course of a match I'm not sure this did change the course of a match but once I had this incident in my head uh, so this is the 2002 World Cup Korea Japan um, and it's the Rivaldo right and he Uh. is uh, 
taking a corner from memory. Uh, he's definitely in a taking that. That's not for it from memory, but from memory, he knocks the ball out of the quadrant, sort of. So it's just in no man's land, just to waste time. So I think it's a Turkish player runs up to him and kicks the ball back to Ronaldo or, or throw, rolls it to him, and it's bouncing. And it bounces up and hits Rivaldo in the thigh. And he mm-hmm. goes down holding his face like he's been snipered. And the guy gets sent off. Yeah. And, just... and he's looking around at the camera as he's doing it. Yeah. 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 So I think it's second yellow, but the guy has basically rolled it all back to him. And it's just yeah. the most awful bit of ridiculous cheating I have ever seen. And that is uh, very like, good. It's not clever. It's not. It's not big, and it's not clever. And it's just the. And worst. it was rewarded. Yeah, that's a horrendous thing in front of billions of people. Well, however many people watch these these massive World Cup games, the fact that he could do that and get away with it—that's a—that is a really good. That is horrendous. That is one of the worst bits of cheating on the biggest possible stage as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. Wow. Um, so just Googling Rivaldo dive, the first thing that comes up, uh, World Cup 2002 Oscar winning performance. Uh, <laughs> on this day, Rivaldo's laughable dive. Um, yeah. yeah, it just, oh, just the absolute. Yeah. And they went on to win that tournament, but they, they were the best team as well. They didn't really need to do anything. No. Like that. Um, yeah, yeah, it did. It changed, it changed the game. It, yeah, horrendous cheating. I mean, we see we see people getting away with sneaky things all the time, but yeah, there was just something about that one. Oh, it just felt so wrong that he could get away with it because everybody immediately knew that it was just horrific cheating. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a two-one. It was Turkey, um, and it's two-one win for Brazil. So it was a close game. Mm. It was Hakan Unsal. Uh, and I'm just watching it back because we we did discuss this. Uh, uh, he does smash it at him. He does smash it at him. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> um, but it hits him nowhere near his face. Oh, fractionally above his knee. Fractionally above his knee. But it is a right. straight red. It's not a yellow. It's not a second yellow. God. And it's sort of how's it, that it, a straight red anyway? It bounces it up did... off his yeah. knee. It's his hand, which is like <laughs> on his waist. So yeah, it, oh god, um, yeah, just just ridiculous. So yeah, yeah, that, that's that's my first my first one. Okay, um, that's good. So go on over to you. Of strong football ones. Okay, I'm gonna go for one in cycling. I mean, you've got to really, um, yeah. and when you consider uh, how rife what drugs uh, and you know therefore massive scale cheating is in that sport and has been and there's still things going on to this day and you think of what um lance armstrong has done uh none of that compares to there's only one real candidate for the most infamous moment and it's not any of that that is certainly not armstrong it is the festina affair in the 1998 uh, tour de france do you know anything about does that ring any bells for you uh, Festine is a brand of watch. That's all I know. Yeah, and uh, most cycling teams, are, all of them pretty much are sponsored by these um, these major companies. Festina was sponsoring this particular team at the time. 
and it was just this this massive um doping incident that had massive repercussions uh but it's so during the tour de france um which started that year in ireland um and uh the the soigneur which is like the assistant who does lots of like different stuff for, for each of the teams um was uh <laughs> his car uh, was stopped by the police uh in in france actually i think um and they found all sorts of doping products in the in the support car I was in there was epo there was syringes <laughs> there was like all, just yeah like it was like like a like a pharmacy's worth of stuff in there right so doesn't reflect uh, he that gets... well on the irish like border control does it but <laughs> <laughs> but so um no no this wasn't so this wasn't in ireland though he he was still in france waiting for the tour to come to, to uh, come okay. from ireland to france right so he's presumably taking it to wherever whichever stage they were going to be in uh so that they could get fully doped up um and uh yeah so they find all this stuff the team boss pretty much says well nothing to do with us didn't know anything about this I mean, he's nowhere near us anyway. So why why is this a problem? Anyway, by the time they get to France, they're starting questioning. They started questioning various people from the team, and then they actually raid their you know raid their premises as well. The teams where well, the team is saying they find all sorts of incriminating stuff, including a full doping schedule for every single rider <laughs> on the team. <laughs> uh, so. Um, then, so this this obviously like, spirals massively. Uh, it became a, uh, several of them went ended up going to court over this. There were lots of charges of, that, that could have resulted in several years in jail. Um, during the race itself, that team Festina were um, were kicked out, and six other teams withdrew. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> and ridiculously, on one of the stages, the teams that were left did this like go slow. Or, or what did they do? I think no, they took off their um their numbers or something, so you couldn't identify who they were, and they messed up a stage in protest at how badly treated <laughs> these teams had been. So rife was obviously that cheating and drug taking that it's like an insult to all of them that that this was being picked <laughs> picked up on. Um, Richard Veronc was the, the the great French hope of cycling. He was in the Festina team. He 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 shed crocodile tears famously in some uh, in some hotel. Which, funnily enough, the tour went back to that 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 stage last year, and um, brilliantly, ITV's team did this coverage, recreating him weeping in the hotel, which was superb. Um, so yeah, that that uh, so it, yes, and drugs. Obviously, this is this is just before the front, the the Lance Armstrong era, so they didn't exactly clamp down on it uh, at this stage, but. Um, and the guy who won it, Marco Pantani, that year, he died quite young a few years later of drugs-related things too. So it's it's just, um, yeah, of all the days, of all the things that happened in cycling that were just completely ridiculous when it comes to drugs, that just takes the cake totally. Um, because it was just so, such, yeah, finding a pharmacy full of cars, a car full of, <laughs> sorry, a car that was basically a pharmacy <laughs> and uh, and teams all dropping yeah it was the darkest one of the darkest days in the sport but really also didn't really change anything i've got a couple of observations uh go on things i've enjoyed about that um mm -hmm. one was your use of 
absolutely no detail when talking about drugs. So when they had to go to France and get fully doped up, it's like, is that a technical term? Fully doped up? <laughs> it's cycling, it pretty much is. Yeah. And then, yeah, Pantani died of all sorts of drugs related stuff. <laughs> Cause of death, all sorts, all sorts. All sorts. They couldn't narrow it down to one. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I like was the, do- the doping schedules. Yes. I think. Well, I, I'd like to hope that they're organised enough, organised enough that these are done in Excel. Do you think they were filed in a folder called doping schedules, or do you think they were put in something like tax affairs, or like, you know, one of those innocently named folders that no one's ever going to look in? <laughs> SWOT analysis. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's a very good question. Whatever it was, it wasn't coded well enough to not no. be found after like the most cursory of checks, probably. Um, the actual sort of analysis <laughs> would have been good. Strength, we're all on drugs. Threats, <laughs> everyone else is on drugs. So, <laughs> uh, yes. So, um, yeah. I just that that. Funnily enough, that was around the time I stopped. I stopped watching the tour for a bit because it was just ridiculous. And then I so I missed most of Lance, um, Lance Armstrong's domination because I just found it ridiculous at that point and started watching it later. But um, yeah. Festina, La Fair Festina, for a bit of French. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> uh, okay. What have you got next? I have got. This is pretty dark. This one. So, but this okay. one that sprung to mind. So, if I tell you the name Ben Flower, does that mean anything to you? Uh, sounds like a cricketer. Uh, it's not. Mm. Nice. This is most cricketers uh, are called Ben or Flower. Anyway, yeah, go yeah, Flower's a good, 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 solid cricket name. No, so, so this is, um, so this is the uh, most northern sport known to man, rugby league. Mm-hmm. The grand final of Super League, and I've never watched the grand final of Super League, um, and it's. But it's always a sellout crowd at Old Trafford in sort of September time because it's now a summer sport. It's a massive, yeah. massive thing. Mm. Um, for which, you know, a lot of these players, it's going to be their kind of career focal point, for which I imagine they get quite pumped up. And 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 I do think the difference, rugby league is just so like, it's all about the strength and the power. There isn't as much there's no set piece so it's very much about massive blokes smashing into each other um which you either love or is either the reason you prefer it to union or the reason you don't prefer it to union and it's it's the same reason that everyone sides anyway so this is um yeah the the final in 2014 it's it's Wigan versus St Helens which to me is every rugby league match there's ever been I don't think there's any other teams apart from Wigan and St Helens <laughs> so Ben Flowers carrying the ball in the second minute uh, up to the line um, he drops it knocks it on and gets clipped by Lance Hohaya and it's from the reports I've read back, it, it varies between... So the Guardian line is, it, he was clipped by the forearm and someone else said it was a bit of a cheap shot. So, and Flower, 
it would be fair to say he was quite pumped up. Punches him so hard he knocks him out to the ground. And then right. the guy's lying on the ground and he's holding him down, punching him as hard as he possibly can in the head, like twice. And it is just like you see everyone just go, What what the hell's he doing? Like mm. and and it's the one time I've seen do you see sort of violence in sport and you're like, ooh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or it's something, but it was so completely out of the blue, even in a sport like rugby league, but that just, it was like a non-rugby player being assaulted by a rugby player. That's mm. how completely out of kilter it was. Um, So, you know, there's a whole match left to go. Flower gets sent off. Yeah. I, uh, concussed by the initial shot also suffered long-term effects basically never played again it was pretty bad God. and it's the sort of thing you imagine like hearing about it in the 80s or something but this was like mm. this is 2014 uh, is it 2014 yeah 2014 so uh flower got a four month ban uh four months yeah, first man to be sent off in the grand final. Longest initial ban, sorry, six months. Hmm. It's your Cantonal ban of four months. But yeah, um, and social media was obviously no one's friend during that time. But yeah, hmm. and he said, I watched it back and I just couldn't, you know, it was like a stranger was doing it. And it was like absolutely savage. And yeah, they just got too geared up for the game. And God. it was like... So, were there any like police? Was there any police stuff involved? I know rub- rugby t- tends to be treated differently to some other sports, but um, no, no, because I think because it's during the game, it's always a bit of a grey mm. area, isn't it? Because didn't Duncan Ferguson get something for done for something that happened during the game? Yeah, and also Bowyer. Uh, no, which one was it? There was another on field one. Maybe it was Bo- something to do with Lee Bowyer and dire anyway i feel like there was there was was police involved there's been police involvement in football for things that you see happen most weeks in on a rugby field with people just swinging at each other yeah but it's it's weird isn't it that if it i don't know where you draw the line because i mean i would say keen on harland was assault yeah with you know purely meant to injure Mm -hmm. and premeditated as well not in the kind of at least this one was kind of the the the, it was the spur of the moment you know he hadn't Mm. walked onto that pitch thinking right i'm gonna do that guy yeah so yeah so it didn't um uh hohaya it then got even worse like st helens and hohaya fell out about the concussion and he was accused of uh not not turning up for training when he was clearly unfit through this pretty debilitating concussion. What? Part of the sort of... I think rugby union's got a problem with concussion. Rugby league seems to be further behind in in its dealing with concussion. Uh, so, yeah, a pretty, pretty bleak yeah, incident. That is round, really. Um, mm. But, yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, there, there is there was talk about, yeah, could have criminal charges and... Would, would Flower have gone to jail? But yeah, they didn't. I think Hohai yeah. decided not to press as well. So, oh, okay. But, 
Yeah. Mm. So I hope that yours is, a... is much more uh, upbeat, the next one. <laughs> so um, so my next one, actually, right, so my next one, de- definitely not as dark as that, but it does. So the thing about sport, um, and this one is from a long time ago, and it just makes you realise how seriously sport gets has been taken since as long as it's been competitive and also how when you're in the moment um things can just escalate to a point where sometimes there's a bit of perspective as you look at when you look at it a bit of distance and other times like this one no people people still still look at it as this this major thing it's a cricket one and uh i think this was last mentioned probably on our first this tour <laughs> on our first uh edition with the, the nawab of Fataldi playing in in this series the bodyline tour of 32 oh, yeah. 33 uh so this is uh england in australia for the ashes uh and this is the tour where um to negate the 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 strengths of donald bradman england and their captain douglas jardine decide to um to come up with a, 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 a tact, an unsporting, what was considered an unsporting tactic, leg theory, yeah, um, to bowl against uh, uh, him, but also the other um, uh, dangerous Australian batsmen. So uh, Larwood, the English fast bowler, one of the fastest apparently there's ever been, um, was the person told to uh, to to execute this particular plan which basically involved bowling at the body sort of quite high up and putting your field on the leg side so that if they tried to swat away the ball it would um yeah it, it could it it basically yeah they either had to take a hit or fend it off and someone's going to catch it on the leg side rules of the sport have changed uh, to negate the ability to do that um, these days in quite that extreme way you do occasionally see someone at leg slip and stuff like that but you can't you can't basically put your entire team on a leg side like that and a bowl at the body so anyway but so a bit of this was happening in the first couple of uh, tests um and there was already some controversy around the, the the way england were playing but it's the third test at adelaide where um it really properly kicked off so um Larwood's bowling and he hit, he hits um, one of the Australian batsmen, Woodfull, in the chest. And there's this old classic old picture of him sort of reeling away in pain um, as he gets hit sort of near the heart. Um, funny that, that funny enough, the body line fi- um, for, um, field wasn't set at that point. It was just like sheer pace that hit him, hit him there. But it's what happens next after Jardine starts shouting, yeah, well bowled and the crowd go mad because it's all been building up to this yeah. point. That was the last ball of that over. Another over is bowled. <clears throat> and when Larwood comes back to face Woodfall, who managed to carry on, it's at that moment where Jardine claps his hands and uh, everyone switches over to the leg side. He adopts a body line field. The theatre of that must have been obviously if you're Australian you hated it, but must have been incredible to to have done something so utterly uh, ruthless like that. And then they start bowling body line um, at, at him. Apparently it's a miracle there wasn't a pitch invasion and a riot. The crowd going absolutely crazy um, <clears throat> after after the match. Uh, it 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 gets even worse. There's like players coming into the England dressing room. And saying you 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 weren't playing cricket out there, all that sort of thing. Um, the uh, the Australian um, uh, cricket 
board, whatever they were called. Is it the Australian cricket board? I think it is actually, um, or was then. Uh, they wrote really to the MCC about it. Board of Control. Okay. They wrote to um, uh, the MCC and uh, wrote a telegram to them about it. Then the Victoria, uh, was it Victoria? No, not Victoria. Where's Adelaide? In South, uh, Australia. South Australia. Yeah. They, uh, their sort of government, local government got involved and there was representations made to the British uh, Secretary of State over here. It's mad. It became, it became this international incident. I mean, it's, class, it's classic cricket. Australian overreaction, this. What, whinging, so, yeah. I mean, cricket, <laughs> cricket is the art of finding a tactic and key, the key point is implementing it successfully. So if you're accurate enough to bowl short and hit people then that is a valid tactic. And then they close the loophole. But there's nothing to stop Australia re responding with the same unless their bowlers weren't either fast or skillful enough. This is true. But um, at that point, it was considered to be completely unsporting. It isn't the way cricket was played at that point. And the Australians decided they weren't going to rise to it and, and do a similar thing because they were above. Yeah, that sounds like Australia. <laughs> they were above it. that. And they probably didn't have the... <laughs> they probably didn't have bowlers to do it either, to be honest with you. Um, so they did that. There's a brilliant. I've read a couple of books on this. There's a brilliant book called The, the Bodyline Autopsy, um, which is such a good book that really goes into the detail of the whole tour. Those tours lasted months and months. It took months to get there for starters because they were to travel there on a boat. So um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I so that and one probably one of the reasons I'm so into cricket now is I remember being off school maybe off sick or something and there was this um this series that was on it was an australian made one about bodyline um and i thought oh this is this is good it's this i didn't realize how old how long ago it had happened till later on but i thought this is brilliant and that just really piqued my interest about this particular era and how much it blew up so i've, I've been into it for a long time and read the books about it as well so yeah big fan of that massive controversy still considered to be considering there's been all sorts of cheating and like ball tampering and people being banned for this that and the other still considered arguably the most infamous uh certainly series in the in the history of the game um yeah body line well just in case there's any kind of lingering sympathy for australian cricket's been built up during that very impressive resume I will dash it with my next one. Marvellous. Uh, my next. And so I've got two cricket ones. Mm. But I'm going to go with the original one. This is the one I thought you were most likely to have. So this happened on the 1st of February, 1981. Mm. Still not sure what that is. Carry on. So it's it's a one day international, Australia playing ah. New Zealand. <laughs> and now I know what it Six is. Six yeah. to win off the final ball, uh, and this is the sort of early years of of one day internationals. They only sort of really got going in seventy late seventies. So with their colourful uh, outfits and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was being played in uh, the classic New Zealand beige brigade kit. Mm -hmm. um, so it must be one of their very early ones. Um, but also worth remembering England still played ODIs in white plays until about what the late nineties, I'd say. 
Uh, ben Hollyoak made his debut and looked like scored an amazing 60 or 70 odd against the Australian. That was in white. Really? But I'm sure England had a blue kit in the 92 World Cup. Yeah, because they weren't organising it. Oh, I see. Mm. So when home ODIs wow. in England were, were still played in red, <laughs> and in white with a red ball. It worked. Mad. Absolutely mad. It yeah. is. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I digress. So, uh, yeah, final... Um, <laughs> final over. Four wicket, two, two wicket, leaving England, uh, leaving New Zealand seven to win or six to tie. Uh, in the event of the tie, the match would have to be replayed. And uh, yeah, the Australian captain Greg Chappell ordered his brother Trevor to bowl the ball underarm. Not only underarm, just to P-roll it around along the ground. Mm. Uh, So, because it was such an early form of of ODI, the rules still had a few loopholes in them, as as per the Bodyline series. Mm. Um, But also, Greg, which I hadn't realised until I rushed up a little bit on this, was that Greg Chappell had messed up the overs. So, they had an over left for Dennis Lilly, but he'd messed up the the strategy so he'd wasted that over and he had to get his brother Trevor to bowl the over making victory much more likely and therefore Mm. uh, and would have been his fault Uh, I would say New Zealand have have got a history of taking these things pretty well generally Uh, and the Prime Minister of New Zealand described it as the most disgusting incident I can recall in the history of cricket (laughs) An act of true cowardice, and I consider it appropriate. The Australian team were wearing yellow. Oh, nice. Which I love. Even the Australian Prime Minister called it contrary to the traditions of the game, which (laughs) is based pretty much, you know, as much of an apology as you're going to get from an Australian. So I've not seen a clip of that for a long time, but I seem to remember that as he P-rolls it, the... um, the batsman just throws his bat. Um, he pats it back. Storm, he pats it back oh, does first. He? And then he doesn't make any attempt to hit it for six. Pats it back and just hurls the bat. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is, yeah. That's the bit I remember. So that, so that, yeah, there's a few acts of like poor sportsmanship. That's worse than the Rivaldo one for me because he's just cheating. He's cheating to try and get someone sent off. Obviously, that's bad. But this is, this is like, What's the point of playing sport? Yeah. I, I don't think that's being ruthless. I just think it's, it's copping out. What's the po- point of playing sport if you're not actually going to... You, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I just can't imagine getting to that point and having the, the brass neck to actually do that in front of the world. I can't believe that that happened. You can't even celebrate the victory. No, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Because it's yeah. like you've solely won. And the chances are you would have won anyway. Exactly. Like, the chances are anything other than a six and you've won the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, so for me, yeah, that was the that's, default that's... straight away. Number one, most infamous. It's the Matthew Loughton of infamy for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, that is that is strong. And mm. when you think of some of the things in cricket, I mean, I. I can't remember what we discussed on the pod and what we discussed in the pub now, but the I've 
always bang on about this. So there's this documentary of an Australian, Australia, South Africa series a few years mm. back, and it's the one where they like there's quite aggressive shoulder bumping in and on the field, which is a real no-no in in cricket. Mm. Uh, it's the one where they were giving Warner loads of abuse about his wife getting nailed by Sonny Bill Williams and <laughs> allegedly. Mm. Oh no, I think I think that's confirmed. Um, and, <laughs> And then they say, well, we're all right with our conduct. I think South Africa need to look at themselves. And then they get done for ball tampering in the very next test, which is incredible. Beautiful. Um, plus, you've got the whole incident of the Pakistani overstepping. Mm. And basically, I think pretty widely accepted now was like coercion of an 18-year-old fast bowler into corruption, which landed him in prison. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But still, for me, it's it's the bowling under arm. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I'm enjoying the uh, <laughs> the Fraser Matthew outline of infamy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might have our next podcast title. Oh, I've actually written down <laughs> the title already. So uh, okay, all right, it's going to be competition. Sort of, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I think I'm pretty much done because all my other contenders were um, were cricket related, and I've sort of briefly covered there. I think okay. So unless we have a sort of Kasami late one coming up on the rails from from either of those, I think you've probably got mm. one more of you. One more, and this this is this is pretty infamous. So they, well, all of them are obviously, but this one, um, yeah, certainly has Paul's sportsmanship. <laughs> um, and yeah, right. So let me start with what happened the morning after this event took place. Um, I, my my mum came down and I remember telling her what had happened and I paid for the privilege of watching this thing and she was like oh what a shame you've wasted your money it's like um that's the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life it was the pay-per-view of Evander Holyfield <laughs> <and Matt Tyson. laughs> the second fight that they uh that they had where obviously well also called the bike fight I think it's its official name was something like what was it? Uh Sound and Fury. <laughs> but it's always known as the, the bite fight for because that's the fight where Mike Tyson bites a chunk out of um Hollyford's ear in the third round, spits it onto the um <laughs> on, onto the uh uh the floor uh, the the ring. Didn't he do it and, twice? Um, so this is the thing. The first he he takes a chunk out of his ear, spits it out. Holyfield sort of jumps up in like absolute like pain and like what what the hell's just happened? Um, they go the, the fight stopped for a while. Uh, the refs considering um, uh, you know disqualifying Tyson, but the doctor says I think he can carry on. I think he can carry on. It's fine. Um, and then towards the end of that round, he tries. Uh, yeah, yeah, they carry on. Towards the end of the round, he tries it again. Uh, and then they notice what's happened and uh, fight gets called off and all sort of kicks off in the ring. The um, What I didn't realise until looking into this is that at the start of that round, Tyson had come out without his mouth guard. <laughs> so <laughs> I think there was some premeditation there. That was spotted and it was put in, uh, but he managed to find a way to do the, do the bite anyway. So, but yeah, that, that, that was money well spent, 25 quid. Of pay-per-view money that uh, that I was very very happy to not lose to to enjoy what what so it's an infamous moment 
they've become friends since uh, apparently which is often the case with these these ridiculous things um but god i mean truth is stranger than fiction yeah you know, if that if that happened in a rocky film you'd just be like oh come on yeah yeah <laughs> exactly what are they going to think of next yeah yeah the fact that it wasn't stopped after he bit a huge chunk out of his ear and spat it on yeah, the floor yeah 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 it's insane it's quite often on these these bonkers things that if you told people about that they wouldn't believe you there's a detail hmm. that like that which makes it even more odd yeah so i'd forgotten that i thought that's what it got disqualified as soon as they discovered that but no they let it carry on he tried it again yeah. And then and it was there, only then I thought, okay, biting off half his ear once, pretty much okay. Can't say Twice. Once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, yes, bite fight 1997. That, that is, I do remember that being massive. I mean, I, mm. I, mean, I know the, the peak of heavyweight boxing clearly was, was before my time, but. I do remember the 90s being a lot better for heavyweight boxing. You had a lot more. Yeah, it's very good. Partly because Bruno was British, but, and he sort of, I remember him being like a bona fide TV celebrity, you know, Mm. generation game. Yeah, yeah, massively. Mm -hmm. uh, And then you've got Lewis and Tyson and Holyfield and, you know. Mm. um, So I do remember those, late night pay-per-view things being a massive massive thing and then the bbc mm. like reporting on them the next day with photos because they were too tight that's exactly right. so, yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah that is mm. a good one yeah so oh well well right so we've got the underarm underarm we've got okay team festina yeah, we've got the flower assault. Yeah, we have got body Tyson Holyfield, and we've got body and Tyson Holyfield. And oh, Cantona, Cantona, and then we've got the old. We need to think about the Dean. What qualifies for the Dean Macy slot, and why? Oh, yeah. Mm. Right. These are all extremely infamous. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I I do think body line and uh, yeah, all of yours are like the classic greatest hits. <laughs> yeah. I think on the on the album of now that's what I call infamous. Yours are off disc one, whereas mine are like disc two, they're sort of deep cuts. Slightly <laughs> like one hit wonder type. This is um, true, but I do, I do think Bodyline. I mean, I don't think Bodyline's that bad, but it is. I do like it's the, so the infamous, tone of the overreaction. <laughs> yeah, um, government sending each other telegrams for something that wasn't against get more the rules intense than that. as well. Mm. A lot of these things mm-hmm. are against the rules, and people got away with it, or yeah, you know, it was so the the underarm bowling thing that had been. Uh, that was illegal in English ODI cricket, but mm. internationally they hadn't closed that loophole yet. So mm. it was like a pretty conscious bit of cheating, I would say. That 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 is again, yeah. So that's similar to the body line one in that, yeah, as you say, it's just totally 
I, I just can't. I can't believe. I still can't believe they did that. I cannot believe they did it. Um, no. that, I think that that deserves a place on on the podium. I, yeah, and I also think... because it's not a great hit, it's a good. It's probably not as famous as some of the others. That's a good one to recognise. I do think um, for the pure, yeah, to do something in a sport where you're beating the crap out of each other that makes people go, "Oh, that yeah, that is beyond the pale." That. <laughs> I mean, there's not much you can do with those big gloves on apart from hit each other, is there? Like, um, Tyson found a way. So, yeah. yeah, I think I do think that 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 deserves. Yeah. What are we going to put in the Macy slot? That's. Mm. I think I do think Rivaldo needs to get in there somewhere. <laughs> Just for the, so... the absolute barefaced cheek of it. Yeah, but should we be rewarding Rivaldo? Uh, by yeah. putting him in illustrious company with the likes of who? Well, he'll be sat in the Dean Macy room next to Kasami, who can take take him through over and over his goal against Palace. <laughs> when Rivaldo That's scored like, all these absolute belters, but he has to listen to Kasami <laughs> just bang on them after. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe that's a good enough reason to put him in there. Yeah. Right. I mean, it doesn't okay. really matter who goes in, does it? But we just need Let's to put him in. spreadsheet. So yeah, <laughs> they will put Rivaldo in the uh, yeah. in the Dean Macy slot, mm-hmm. um, and then we, we we need to get. I do think your other ones are, are all quite good. The uh, so we've got underarm, body line, yeah, yeah, Bander and Tyson, yeah, 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 and then that. Rivaldo and Dean Macy. Okay. Uh, good stuff. So, mm. I mean, I, I think anything at, at the expense of Australian should basically be basically encouraged. So. That's absolutely true. It's one of right. the tenets of this podcast. Yeah, that was so. Fun. I think the next, the next one we did talk about um, doing was the unusual score lines. Ah, yes. Uh, which I do really like. But also, <laughs> there's underrated classics. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I think I think we should do unusual score lines next. So we'll let's do unusual score lines. And if you've got, if you want to contribute something to uh, to our gold, silver, bronze, Dean Macy discussion. Alex will give you the email address now. Yes, which is franklywhocarespod at gmail.com. Right, so it's time for our uh, Euro 2020 preview, the only preview that you will need. Uh, We are going to take you through some of the, uh, you know, the Euros are often considered to be like not quite as good, are they, as world cups but there have been some great moments and great things that have happened so we're going to take you through those to get you really really keyed up for this tournament that's going to come let's start we're going to take you from the most recent one back several tournaments but we're going to start with euro 2016 uh, which took place in france i went to this one. Oh, we talked earlier in this series of podcasts about fan entertainment oh that's the, that yeah 
that's, so um, that's the dark that's all... side. Mm. Yeah, that was the that gold was in... gold winner. That was a world record. Uh, that's from what I remember as well. <laughs> in, uh, in episode uh, three, so yeah, that's the one. Episode three. That's the dark side of uh, of of the Euros and what fans can can, uh, can bring so-called fans. But for me, one of the most memorable things about 2016, uh, Tom. Let's uh, let's do this together. So follow my lead. <laughs> Can you hear the boom boom? Yeah. Is it coming out? Yeah. When I do that? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, so I do that, you clap. So, follow my lead. <laughs> what? What is such a delay? So, I go boom always... boom, clap. No, 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 because no, it boom, always boom, waits longer. Boom. You're going to have to leave all this in. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so everyone, that's will, enough. everyone that's will remember the, the Iceland doing exactly what we just did between us then. <laughs> iconic boom, boom, goo uh, um, uh, thing. I went to one of their matches uh, uh, against Portugal. I think it was a one-all draw, and they did it there. And yeah, that was that was that was brilliant. And obviously, fans tried to do it back at home here, and it was rubbish because it's never <laughs> the same. Yeah. So, uh, so there was that. Anything else from 2016? Yeah, I. Um, so I actually think the Euros is almost always better than the World Cup because you have okay. exactly the right number of games and a lot of clarity over who's qualifying, uh, and most of the teams are good. Like because there's only 16 teams. This was 24 teams, and it was yeah worse as a result. So Portugal won, True. only didn't win a group game and got through and won, uh, beat Wales in the semi-final and mm. were just seemed like they were absolutely certain to get pumped by France at home in the final. And um, and Ronaldo went off injured after about 20 minutes and somehow yeah. uh, some absolute swamp donkey from Portugal scored the winner. So, yeah, it was... Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I liked Wales' run in, in 2016. As, um, that was good. You know that 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 did uh, that was a good little narrative, but otherwise I think it was quite a forgettable tournament. True. And Robson Carnu not only scored that brilliant goal against Belgium, Belgium, yeah, um, yeah. but also has the best double-barrelled former footballer's name as well, Robson Carnu. Yeah. Um, I see your Robson Carnu, and I raise you, Colin Kazim Richards. No, but I'm talking about a surname that has. That is based on oh, two, two bits classic that don't footballers, Carnu and Brian Robson. <laughs> Top that. I thought, Anyone can come up with yeah. a better one than that. Then it's frankly, who cares? Pod <laughs> gmail.com. <laughs> okay, well, I'll I'll take on I'll take us then from the uh, sort of mm-hmm. class of France, the cheese and wine, across to. Poland and Ukraine's joint hosting of 2012 um, mm. and we sort of having said that I thought the Euros were good I, I've started by saying I didn't think 2016 was very good and then we really struggled to remember very much at all about this tournament yeah um, but then once I dug away a little bit there was a couple of Italian inspired moments so Italy got to the final 
um, and they upset Germany in the semi with two goals from podcast favourite, why always me, Mario Balotelli. <laughs> and um, I was in Pisa the night that happened and it was the the scenes of celebration in an Italian city were exactly what you would expect it to be. You know, if they were showing scenes of celebration on Football Italia in a 1995 bit of coverage, it was like people on the back of flatbed lorries with flares, massive bangs every so often. You know, everyone was in like a nice market square. Nothing was getting trashed because everyone was just celebrating because it was and Mm -hmm. it wasn't England. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant Mm. scenes. Um, and I do remember as well, so I, I just moved in with my girlfriend and the first thing we put on the TV in our new place was the England versus Italy penalty shootout. Which, ah. uh, Pirlo, who'd been an amazing during the game, finished off mm-hmm. with a Penenka, which made me chuckle. I remember that. And uh, I remember not being disappointed that England had gone out. This was the, my absolute lowest point in terms of being an England fan. I didn't particularly like the team at all. Um, so him penenkering to win it. Uh, yeah. Pretty classic. Moment. A moment of style which was completely lacking otherwise from, I'm pretty sure it was a you know, draw over two hours. So, yeah. yeah, very probably. Okay. Should we move on past the, the, the tournament that wasn't 2012? Yeah. We go to... Uh, 2008 which was held where Oof. uh was it not not belgium and holland belgium and holland wasn't that 2000 i thought you just spent the time when i was talking googling your fucking answer uh, oh austria austria and switzerland i'd have I'd, and i could have been here all night and i wouldn't have got that <laughs> So 2008. So that that was quite a good tournament from what I, I remember, and it had it had some memorable performances and some su- surprise scorelines. So you um, you had reminded me that um, Holland went through the group stages having won every game, looking like absolute world beaters, but they didn't count on Andrea Charvin, um, who. Uh, gave one of the performances of his life and scored an absolute wonder goal against them uh, in uh, the quarterfinals. Yeah. I think, yeah. So that would have been the first knockout stage back then. Yeah. Um, absolutely brilliant performance. I think they beat them 3-1. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. So I remember that vividly. Most people who, and Arsenal signed him off the back of that, didn't quite reach those those heights for Arsenal regularly. Uh, had his moments but yeah I remember that being an absolutely brilliant game well one of my tournament favourites that I've mentioned before who I do like a little follow of is uh, Croatia um, mm. of Davosuka fame and they were another one who stormed through a not particularly easy group featuring Germany uh, Austria who were a host and Poland mm. who are always in tournaments just to make the numbers up but um and then they got through to their knockout rounds with maximum points and lost on penalties to Turkey. Uh, they also, I've only just noticed this, they scored the first goal of that 
in the 119th minute, but they still managed to concede in the 122nd minute and went out. Um, so, That's impressive. Yes. And it was the tournament where Spain finally came of age, mm. having been one of the better teams in tournaments for quite a long time. Um, and it was also a, uh, a tournament where England weren't in it, which did take a lot of the yeah. out of it for a lot of people. Um, There's definitely a theme around England either not being in tournaments or getting knocked out relatively early in those tournaments, ending up being very good. Mm. <laughs> 94 World Cup being another great example of that. Indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, mm. from a very, very good one, Euro 2000, we go on to Euro 2004 mm-hmm. uh, in... 2004, France? Mm. Portugal. We're <laughs> <laughs> really good at this. <laughs> um, so, of course it was Portugal. Uh, this, is, this is known for the worst winners of any major tournament ever, even compared to Portugal in 2016. So this was won by Greece, Mm -hmm. who made an art form of just winning games 1-0 through turgid games Mm 1-0, usually through headers from either a set piece or from across. Um, Again, they sneaked through their group over Spain on... uh, goals scored so their same goal difference just snuck over (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and yes sure enough ground their way to the final where they beat hosts Portugal yeah 1-0 so that that tournament started and ended with 1-0 wins I think with Greece over Portugal it was 2-1 was the opener 2-1 okay but that was a penalty and a header uh-huh. And every game in the knockout stage was a 1-0 win. That is an incredible... I mean, they are, yeah, the worst team to win a, a major tournament. But it's it's incredible. I mean, the fact that they did it, that Greece did it. Greece have never been contenders ever for any tournament. No. Um, it, it's astonishing <laughs> that they managed to do that. Yeah. 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 Um, mm. Yeah. So not not massive amount. So England, uh, quite an eventful till draw against Portugal in the knockout stages where uh, Rooney. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Rooney got sent off. Rooney got injured, didn't he, in the earlier in the tournament? He got injured, uh, which yeah. kind of done did for the chances. But we went. Um, this that was one of the sort of golden era teams of England, sort of 2004 and 2008. They were very good yeah. on paper. but High quality. But Rooney, um, I guess for England fans, though, that was a tournament where probably only Gazza in 1990 is up there with how well Rooney played in that tournament um, for England. It, we had this absolute superstar who was just tearing, tearing his teams apart and just looking unstoppable. Didn't really, sadly pan out in other tournaments for Rooney but at that moment anything was possible he was that 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 good wasn't he yeah yeah, yeah. indeed so yeah. over to you then for Euro 2000 my favourite Euros 
and uh, my, one of my top three tournaments of all time, along with 82 and 94 World Cups. Um, yeah, I love, love this tournament. There's, there's lots to enjoy. Some very, very good teams. The France team that uh, that won that was superb. Portugal had a good team. Holland had a fantastic team. Came up in our uh, heartbreaking defeats segment. Of course, yeah, 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 that is right. Yeah, the Italy uh, defeat um, at France's Final, hands, and yeah. yeah, and they did a similar thing to Portugal in the semi. Um, it has a game that most people won't remember. This this third game in the group stages with Holland v uh, France, which both teams had qualified, so they made twenty one changes between them, and it finished three two to Holland, and is just yeah one of the most entertaining games of football I've I've ever seen. The strength of, and quality of those two squads was was absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, the, nothing but good things to say about that tournament. It was a, just a delight from. Uh, from beginning to end, I think this is um, worth worth noting for two quite quite rare occurrences in major tournaments. So this was uh, mm. one of two successive tournaments where Germany weren't very good. Yes, rarest of all, they actually lost to England in a major tournament. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was England's only points because they lost to Portugal and to Romania in the. No, 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 Phil Neville. No, 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 what are you doing? Oh, he's fouled him and we've lost. <laughs> I've always said, though, if you're going to get knocked out of a tournament in the group stages, losing a 3-2 thriller, beating Germany, and then losing a 3-2 thriller isn't a bad way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least you had some highs. And yeah. that, that, that victory against Germany is one of the worst games I've ever seen. It didn't matter. People were literally dancing on the bar in the pub I was in. They were dancing with each other on the tube on the way home because we'd beaten Germany in the tournament for the first time in most of our lives. So, yeah, that was a high point as well, yes. Yeah, great tournament, Euro 2000. Um, the one thing that comes up quite a bit, and it's going to be more in relation to the 90s, was we talked about footballers who underachieved. They were, they were signed on the back of Euro performances mm. into the Premier League and then did really badly. But there's mm-hmm. the, the joint top goal scorer in this tournament was a famous flop uh, in the Premier League before this, and then he went on to better things. In 2000? Yeah, played for one of our teams. Had a comedy name. We had a comedy version of his name. <laughs> I've drawn a blank. Savo Misalotovic. <laughs> I thought it was him, but I couldn't think of the comedy. Five, he was top scorer in 2000. Joint wow. with joint with Cliver. There's, there's a bit of a golfing class there. Yeah. So that's good. So, mm. so I'll, take, I'll take your 96. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's a lot to get through here. Mm. So, I mean, the, the the things I've got noted down to remember. Uh, from this so there's underachieving footballers signed off the back of it so I'm pretty sure this is the tournament that gave the Premier League uh, Jordi Cruyff and Karol Poborski Karol Mm -hmm. Poborski on the back of an absolutely lovely little dink sort of lifted chip that he Mm. scored in a I think against Portugal Mm -hmm. Um, and then 
there's the England Scotland match on like a sunny Saturday. And I do think the one thing I would say about this tournament coming up is the England Scotland game on the Friday night is quite exciting. And I'm not a massive kind of Scotland football fan stand on tables. I'm nowhere near as bad as I am when I watch the rugby. (laughs) But I'm quite excited about what McGinney Esther can do to to England's midfield. So, um, but I'm also quite excited about Jack Grealish. So, um, yeah. Uh, and then the England Holland match, the the goal that that we sort of likened it to, like it's like a rugby. England have always got one man over, and it goes one side to the other, yeah. and then Shearer could take his time and place it, and just doesn't just lashes it into the corner of the outside. That's what he usually did. Hit it as hard as he could. Uh, the, the the beautiful moment in that is where Sheringham, who could shoot, just faints to shoot and just plays it perfectly to Shearer to absolutely spank it home. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a glorious game. I watched that. Yes, very quick story about England Holland. Uh, so watched that as a, um, no, it wasn't a student. Still living as a student in Nottingham <laughs> a year after uh, finishing at uni. A lot of stories and, seem to come from that era of you not being a student but still living as a student, which makes you think yeah, it was about it, a decade. It was an it felt that way for various <laughs> reasons, um, but um, it was an iconic uh, yeah, an iconic period in my life. But that night in particular, that was a real high point. So. We obviously we beat uh, Holland playing football that we'd never. That's the best England performance in the tournament that we'd seen and probably still is, um, and takes us through obviously to the to, to the knockout stages. Me and my mates were just loving it, but then Holland get this goal at the end, and it sort of just yeah, took a little bit of the the, the the fun out of it. And so oh look, we need to go out. Let's go out, go into town, and we're there, and we're still like uh, you know that was great. Shame they scored that goal. The bus pulls up. Talk about party bus. It was like there was an absolute nightclub happening on the bus. So we jump on and we're singing songs all the way into into town. Um, I, the bus is completely packed. So I was near the, the door, near the exit entrance when we came in. Bus opens up in Market Square and I decide to start a conga off the bus. <laughs> Let's all do the conga. So we conga into, into town, go to Rock City, this big student oh. It was a brilliant, and and so the the thing I remember is there was this euphoric, absolutely euphoric moment. We've beaten Holland, and it's just oh, it's a sunny day. It's a glorious tournament and everything. And don't look back in anger comes on, and we're there all singing that. And you know those these moments that you just remember. I I remember that vividly. Um, and then so that was brilliant. And then a the final thing, a friend of mine who uh, was a flatmate living with me at the time and who I used to work with as well he'd had this thing going on with this girl and it, they didn't quite get together finally the 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 uh the joy of that brings them together <laughs> finally it's amazing and apparently there they are <laughs> lying there in, in the glow of uh you know this this amazing moment and everything that it's, it's done and she says to him Oh, this is incredible. I can't believe this has happened. And he says, yeah, 4-1. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, a very memorable uh, occasion, uh, that one, which I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget. And uh, fair play to Martin for risking everything going for that that uh, that gag. <laughs> um, the one thing I finally, that always sticks in my head, is after Gareth Southgate misses the penalty in the shootout, 
Germany have one that they need to score to win it. And it's taken by Andreas Moller. And it just, it's the most arrogant, awful celebration that he does afterwards. I can't decide if it's just the worst thing ever or if it's brilliant. It's the worst thing ever. It is. I think if he's you're playing for your team, it's quite funny. Is it though? (laughs) (laughs) I can't, to be honest, I can't imagine England ever winning a game like that and an England player doing that. I just can't. No, because what would be the but, but part of it Crouch. is the, the elation of the surprise. Mm. That was the thing about England-Holland, is that you could see how excited England's players were that that they that they were playing mm. like this, and they couldn't really believe they were playing this champagne football. Whereas the Germans yeah. were just like, well, yeah, we won, because that's what we do. We, we got through. Yeah. So, mm. But Andy Muller, for those who don't remember it's like basically puts his hand he does some sort of like a Mick Jagger style yeah, hands a, on waist and then a struts. bit John Cleese out of 40 Towers that's like yeah. the outdated episode yeah. as well isn't it <laughs> it's a bit of that yeah in at Wembley having just done what he's done yeah then put I think um home team out yeah I think Barry Davis put it best when Germany scored their first uh, Barry Davis of this podcast's yeah. title claim um, when uh, when Germany scored their first goal and he says, uh, oh, the Germans have scored. Kunz. I think he, <laughs> he, he, uh, <laughs> he said it best. It's over to me, isn't it? 92. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to take your 92? So um, an eight-team tournament. Uh, so six, yeah, the... the 16 teams started the, the, the tournament after. This is the Graham Taylor tournament, is United 2, with players like Carlton Palmer and um, oh, Alan Smith. Andy Gray. Alan Andy Smith, Gray. who... Not Andy yeah, Gray. I think no, so. No, 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 the no. Crystal Palace no, Andy Gray. No, 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 you don't no. think he was in the tournament? 100% wasn't. Anyway. Okay. I'll look it up, but you carry on. Fair enough. But he did play for England around that time. Maybe he wasn't in there then. Fair enough. But really bad uh, players. So you could... Anyway, yeah. Bad. Terrible squad. Uh, England um, didn't make it past the group stage, actually, did they? So Denmark famously... on The the story of this tournament is Denmark. who famously are on the beach uh, when they get the call and Yugoslavia... Uh, aren't able to play because of, uh, for obvious reasons of what was going on uh, around that time in terms of the war. So they're, they're kicked out of it. And uh, Denmark come for the beach to win the whole thing. So the semi-final Denmark versus Holland is a real classic game. I think it's got the best strike partnership performance that I've or my, my favourite anyway, strike partnership performance ever. I think it was, uh, well, it's Brian Loudrup, the younger Loudrup, the one who speaks with a Scottish accent because it's impossible for Danes to go anywhere and not adopt <laughs> the accent. Um, and Fleming Paulson, I think. They played like it was the last game they were ever going to play. You know when people just play like utter confidence and skill and just energy? And they did that and they deserved to beat, to beat Holland. Um, that was brilliant. They beat them on penalties in the end and then they go on to win the final with a John Jensen goal in terms of people getting signed for what they did in the tournament and never really recreating that. He is surely the captain of that team. Um, 
Yeah. So, so this is the first tournament, major tournament I watched as a kid that I was excited about watching from the start because mm. I got into football during Italia 90. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of was supporting England because I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. I, you know, was following Scotland games as well. So yeah. England's group was, so Sweden were the host, but they were, they'd been finished below Scotland in their group in the 1990 World Cup. And they weren't very good. Mm. Denmark mm -hmm. weren't even mean, meant to be there. And France yes. hadn't qualified for the 1990 World Cup. So it's quite an easy group for an 18 mm -hmm. tournament. And the, yeah. other, the other group was Scotland, okay. Uh, Holland, Germany, and the, mm. uh, oh, I can't even, Central Independent States, is it? No, Communist Independent Confederation of Independent States. It's not I not think. communist. CIS. Crucially not communist, yeah. sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, That's quite a key factor. Yeah, completely democratically elected. Um, <laughs> and so my favourite game in this tournament was actually the last. So Scotland played two really good games against uh, Holland and Germany yeah. and lost narrowly. And then uh, the CIS. Now, the USSR had been quite a good side and got to the final of Euro 88, which we'll come on to in a minute. Mm -hmm. And they'd drawn both of their opening games. Um, so, you know, it was, it looked like Scotland weren't going to get any points and they battered, battered the CIS 3-0. Mm. Um, but one thing that sticks in my mind is that Scotland, and this is just the, the, the one of the worst crimes of tournament football ever, had given out the numbers, not the goalkeeper numbers, but given out the numbers in order of caps. So you had like strikers wearing three and holding midfielders wearing like 10. And it's just, I just hate it. But I, I found out that this has happened more than once. And some teams have done it on alphabetical order. And do you remember this, your goal from 82? I mm. pointed out that the keeper had number seven on. Yeah. Because it was alphabetical. Oh. Why? That is shocking. Why do it? Why tamper? Why? Yeah, exactly. List them in Why? order of caps or and let them pick their number in order of caps. Yeah. It's because, a, yeah. I mean, it really who, annoys who? me that Wolves is keeper at the moment, whereas 11. Yeah, I mean, that's wrong. That is wrong. But at least it's got... If you're, it's two ones, but, I suppose, but yeah. Nah, I, I, if you... If you're if you've got a, a, a one to eleven number as a keeper, it has to be one. It's as simple yeah, as that. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah. so yeah, an absolutely heinous kit crime. Um, that is that that's that's an absolute travesty, a travesty. Because to me, um, there's like a logic of you know twelve, twelve's a right back, thirteen's just sub goaling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there's just some classic kind of classic rules mm. you follow, and and there's a bit of leeway, but you know, yeah. Why tamper with things like that? I mean, just yeah. leave it. Absolutely. Yeah, no messing about. Um, we can't leave you United uh, 2. That is what we're still talking about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, without, about, yeah. Um, without talking about um, the Sweden goal against England that knocks England out um, and Brian Moore's superb commentary, which is the, obviously, Broline, Darlene, Broline, Jolene, <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> one of the great commentaries for Brian Moore. Yeah, that was a quality goal. Good. Yes, decent tournament. Had some memorable things. Um, 
I just, I think, you know, with a small mm. number of teams as well, you only, you only had a few games. So it was like, it's really exactly. exciting thing. And, and I just remember like watching Sweden play in the opener and you're just like, oh, these like, all these glamorous players who play, play on the continent and, you know, oh, this guy plays in Syria, but you don't really know who any of them are. And, and yeah, I was mm. just, just excited about that. Um, exactly. You still had a bit of that mystique, mystique back then about these players that you didn't know that well. I agree. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So year 88. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know all that much about this, but I know more about it than I know about 84. So that's how we've split it. Um, <laughs> it does have the one of the greatest tournament goals ever. And it's mm-hmm. from the final. And it's the Marco van Basten volley. Um, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, the cross is over hit, and then but he just smashes it across the keeper. I mean, it's Kasami esque in its yeah. Um, yeah. But what I love about it is is that Holland had this like iconic kit with sort of it's an Adidas sort of faded orange with, with um, but because the opposition had white shorts, they've had to pair it with orange shorts, which are a completely different colour of orange. <laughs> so it looks a bit stupid. So it's a bit of a shame that the, the greatest, one of the greatest mm. tournament goals is in one of the worst kits. The best <laughs> kit that's spoiled by some shorts. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was, um, and Hullet, um talking of these, these, incredible players who uh who we got to see yeah he had a good tournament scored in that final as well um yeah very very good team that Dutch team he was one of mm. them i always think Ruth Hillett looked really old in that tournament and then looked younger because he had like a proper <laughs> tash didn't he in long dress yeah and then yeah. he sort of and actually when now he's bald he looks almost younger than he did then i know what you mean <laughs> um so yeah. yeah, I think there was quite a lot of this was so this is during a period where England English teams were banned from Europe, and there's quite a lot of crowd trouble, wasn't there? Because uh, it was in it was in Germany, or well, not not crowd trouble, but um, trouble. hooliganism. Yeah, around. Yeah, the, I, I, to be honest, I don't even remember. They all blow into one because it was virtually every tournament. Um, yeah, uh, I mean. Mm. Um, England might be considered unlucky because they were in the group with the two finalists, but they did lose all three games. So yeah, not not one so, to yeah. write home about. But they were that, a bit unlucky against Ireland in the first game. Um, I think hit the woodwork up time. Lineker missed chances that he normally wouldn't. It was later revealed he was he was ill. He had some quite quite uh, some 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 illness that basically yeah he uh, he didn't realise he had. So he wasn't really himself. But other than that, nah, there was no luck. Holland, absolutely. Van Basten got a hat-trick against them, actually, in the next match. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. Um, the... I mean, they lost 3-1 to Soviet Union as well, so not, not yeah. that close. And then, but then the other group is West Germany, Italy, Spain, and Denmark. And that's Denmark of the 86-type era when they were amazing in that yeah. World Cup and had the world's greatest kit ever. And they played three yeah. lost play three lost three with like yeah. loud drops and Paulson and mm-hmm. all all those others all those. so yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was a high caliber tournament actually yeah mm. and then we're going to finish on 84 yeah we are and um so i i'm going to slightly back out 
of one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk about this because um fr friend of the podcast and uh you know my sister Essie um uh you refer to her in that order now friend of the party yeah. <laughs> yeah basically I, I call her friend of the party now to her face <laughs> she's friend she, of the party um, on your phone so. yeah. <laughs> she um right let, let's yeah let's put, put her to the side for the moment that the, the classic match of that tournament is the semi-final between france and portugal uh platini scores this goal at the end brian motson is brian motson john, john motson John Motson is commentating. If you ever watched that, that goal with him screaming about Platini at the end, Tigana's yeah, yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, just classic. absolutely classic. Um, and uh, yeah, what I was going to do was um, try and settle publicly an old feud between me and my sister, which resulted in me not watching that game uh, because I wasn't woken up. And then her accusations that I therefore deliberately burnt one of her shirts ironing it a few months later as revenge which has never been proven but i'm not going to talk about all of that uh, no, because there, I i've got therapy time. for that exactly i don't think this is the time or place so i'll just uh, i'll just say that was a good tournament uh classic game that i wish i had seen um but i've enjoyed uh watching the replays of it despite the fact that i wasn't woken up by my sister to watch it so let's leave that one there. That's the 84 tournament. It's, it's quite interesting. I mean, there's, there's some odd stats. So in the 84 tournament, there's one group hmm. where there were no draws. And there's like, and in the six matches, there were two five nils and two three twos. And in the other group, wow. half the matches were draws. <laughs> And no one scored more than two goals. No one scored more than one goal in any game bar one where Germany got two. Bizarre. Oh. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. And that, yeah, no England fewer... in that tournament. Yeah, there does seem to be fewer penalty shootouts going back. I don't know. Mm. I mean, there are fewer this is games true. in those, but it just seemed that penalty I mean, first... shootouts never really happened before 1990. And, and They rarely and they did, you're right. I think the first ever was in 82 in the tournament was 82 um i'm not sure when they started but the first was in 82 and it may have been france v germany absolute classic three all which yeah four goals in in extra time uh, and then penalties um but yeah i know it that much more common now um mm. michelle platini got nine goals in that competition he was pretty good wasn't he and he did yeah. play in one of those five nils, which helped, and he was their penalty taker, which helped. But mm -hmm. it's and and he was also a very good free kick taker in a um, uh, what's his name, Janino sort of way. But his free kicks were like penalties, really. Right. Mm. Controversial opinion, but I think he's France's best player ever, not Zidane. Uh, I don't think that's that mm. controversial. No. Okay. Good. <laughs> Um, I mean, the second highest scorer in that tournament got three goals. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, had a job. Actually, that was an era where he won at least two European Football Year awards in a row, maybe even three. Martini. Anyway, he was, yeah, top, top player. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that just goes to show that uh, it's going to be 
it could be anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the greatest tournament that we've ever seen or so, the most forgettable. Yeah, so I haven't looked at the groups or anything, but who... Um, so there who, is a group of death. Who is your... So it annoys me, for starters, that it's called Euro 2020. Hmm. Yeah, Why that's just silly. That is silly. Um, Agreed. Because it wasn't like it was cancelled so close to the tournament they've had to keep all the same posters or anything. Like, <laughs> no. So the Ryder yeah. Cup once was cancelled the week before because of September 11th, and so yeah. like all the everything had been printed and and all the adverts and done. So just yeah, yeah, find that, use that because this is like got to be one of the most bloody creative tournaments. Yeah. Uh huh. So I know. Yeah, it makes no sense. But um, yeah, I don't so. I have no idea who's going to win it. I don't know how good the teams are relative to each other. Who knows? You got any any thoughts? Well, there's some quite good sort of uh, sleeper kind of teams that you could follow for various reasons, like hipster type follows. We're not, you know, mm-hmm. England, Scotland, like. Uh, well. In terms of excellent flags, I would recommend North and Macedonia. Okay. Um, also okay. their first major tournament of any kind. So you've got a few kind of odd, because they had this Nations League qualifications. So there's a couple of teams mm. who uh-huh. possibly wouldn't have qualified normally, mm-hmm. um, including Scotland. Um, Scotland, yes. But you've got Hungary as well. Um, They're in a group of death, aren't they? With yeah, um, Portugal, France, and Germany. Good luck, chaps. There we go. <laughs> uh, so probably not worth rooting for them, I wouldn't say. Um, <laughs> mm. But you do. I mean, you do stand the chance of so four out of six third places go through. So you've always oh, yeah. got to do well mm. not to qualify, really. Mm. And then, and there is a group. I don't know. Are you better being in a strong group or a weak group? I need to work this out, but. Holland, Ukraine, Austria, North Macedonia is a crap group by mm-hmm. anyone's imagination. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Denmark, Finland, Belgium, Russia is not great. Um, Belgium yeah. are good, but none of the others are. Mm-hmm. Um, Wales and Switzerland are in with Italy and Turkey. I mean, Turkey haven't That's been okay. since about 1993, have they? That's true. It'll be competitive, but not for good reasons. Yeah. So I just think mm. this definitely goes to show, and I do appreciate as a Scotland fan that we wouldn't be in the tournament if it only had 16 teams. <laughs> it should mm-hmm. definitely only have 16 teams in this tournament. Yeah. And I don't... But it doesn't. No. So, so it's going to be wall-to-wall football. But at least it's lots of football, rubbish or not. <laughs> yeah, because that's something we haven't had in the last exactly. eight months. Yeah, wall-to-wall we have <laughs> So, I mean, you know, and also, what are the key? What are the key challenges that confront people at the moment? COVID, climate change. Mm-hmm. So, what should we try and avoid? Travel between countries, air travel. Uh-huh. So, the the country's being hosted across eight countries. Yeah, good one. Excellent. And at least they're all grouped together, like, um, yeah. So the quarterfinals are in Baku, Rome, St. Petersburg and Munich. Pretty much as far mm. as you can get. Good. Yeah. Mm. So makes per- I think we can agree it makes absolutely 100% perfect sense as a competition. Oh, totally. Yeah. 
And the next time we meet, we'll have just witnessed England-Scotland that weekend on Friday night. So um, I'm right. sure there will be some discussion in the next edition of this podcast about that. Should we make outlandish predictions about what's going to happen in that game? Okay, you go first. Uh, Scotland will score first and England will win 2-1. I think no one's going to win. Or you could call that a draw. You could, yeah. That, that. <laughs> I think it's going to be a draw. Um, and I think Scotland are going to come back to draw in dramatic style. Nice. That's my prediction. We've proved already on this podcast I am Nostradamus. So you can get get down the bookies. Yeah. Put some money yeah. on that. And mm. I'm historically pretty awful. Um, exactly. So, mm. yeah, that, that'll be... Um... It'll be good to see if that pans out. We'll look forward to discussing that next time alongside strange scores. Exactly. Get your unusual scores into us. And, uh, yeah, we will see you next time. All right. Cheers. Bye.